Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, so it's good reading through the Bible together. I'm having a lot of fun with this. It's been good, good stuff. But uh, we're going to talk about Easter today. So we're going to talk about the resurrection. So a bunch of stuff. So let's start. We're going to go. Last uh, on Good Friday, though, just this quote from Andrew Murray I thought was so good. It says, a dead Christ I must do everything for, but a living Christ does everything for me. I just, I just like that. You know, him, the, the cross on Good Friday, it, it really wouldn't mean a whole lot if there wasn't an Easter Sunday. Let me say that again. Uh, the cross on Friday wouldn't have meant much. I mean, that Jesus died for us, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot unless he's alive for us today. And we have a risen Lord and a risen Savior. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if, if Christ not be risen, then we believe in vain. He said, if Christ not be risen, then we are to be pitied of all people. The fact is we serve a risen God and a risen Lord. And so it's good. I guess me, I don't know about you. I'm just jacked up just on the thought that he's alive and he's my God. A dead Christ, I got to do everything for. But a living Christ, he does everything for me. And we talked about Mephibosheth. I love Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth means to dispense, to get rid of shame. And here was a, a guy who ran and he had a fall because somebody didn't understand the nature of the king. Someone who didn't understand the nature of the king ran and there was a fall. They ran from a loving God. And so many people don't understand the nature of God and they're running from the lover of their soul. They're running from someone who loves them. But you know what? Here's the beautiful thing is this, the king will search you out and the king will find you. And even if you're hiding, desperately afraid, he's going to find you. And he found Mephibosheth in a low debar at a place in Mekir's house. Mekir was, there's no promise in a barren place. And so here was a guy who had a promise. Here was a guy who didn't know, I've got a covenant. Somebody loves me so much. God, you see, God loves you so much. God cut a deal with God. God cut a deal with God. God made a deal amongst himself. And they said, I'm nuts about them. I can't live without them. And God made a deal in their own, in the Godhead, they made a deal that included you and he brought you in and all you have to do is say, I believe that. And you get all of it, every benefit and every blessing. Just, but you see, David cut a deal with Jonathan, but Mephibosheth didn't know about that, so he went and hid. He thought, this new king's probably going to do away with me. But there was a promise to be kept. There was a covenant. There was love of another that had to be fulfilled. And he chased down Mephibosheth, and when he found him, he brought him in his lameness, and he put him under the table. He covered all his lameness, and he sat at the table as a child of God. And what I love about Almighty God is he brought every one of us to the table. And I love that it says he ate continually at the king's table. Yum, yum, yum. Thank you, Jesus. So come in your mess. Come in your frustration. Come in your brokenness. Belly up to the table of the Lord and experience the fulfillment of being a child of God, having everything restored to you. That's a good news message right there. That's the gospel. Well, we're going to jump into the next stage, which is Easter. And look at John 14, 1 to 4. John 14, 1 to 4. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. Now this is Jesus at the Last Supper. He's teaching before the cross, before Easter. He's teaching them and he's saying, look, don't be troubled. And he's saying that because what you're going to see in the next few days is going to pretty much blow up your world. The guy who you gave your whole life for, the guy who you followed, the guy who you believe is the Son of God, the Messiah, the guy who you believe is going to usher in the kingdom of God, it's going to get a bit messy. You're going to see some horrible stuff, but listen, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He said, there is more than enough room in my father's home, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you that you will always be with me where I am, not where I was or where I will be, but that you might always be with me where I am. Now, a lot of people think all of this refers to the sweet by and by when Jesus will come back, but it doesn't. It was all fulfilled on the first Easter. The first Easter was all about Jesus, his death, burial, his resurrection. What happened between those few days is Jesus established once and for all. He went to heaven and established that you have a place in the Father, and then he came back and he breathed the Spirit on you so that the Father has a place in you. So Easter means once and for all, God has fixed a place in heaven. You have joint seating with Christ in heavenly places, and he has taken up residence in you so that you got by location living every day. God is in me, and I am in him, and it was settled on the first Easter. Done. It's all right. So that's what's going on there in John chapter 1 to 4. He says, I prepared a place. John 14, 29. I told you these things before they happen. I said this before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. So I want to do these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. So it's all about believing. It's all about making a way to the Father. And that's what he said. Then he also said, he said, you will believe that I have secured a place for you in the Father when you experience two things. He said, you're going to experience peace and I'm going to give to you the Holy Spirit. So there are two experiences you'll experience that will cause you to believe. When this happens, you will what? Believe. We're not waiting for this to happen or else... You know, the sign, our ability to believe isn't being manifest. But you see, it happened. It's done. I have told you this so that you would believe. And when it happens, you will believe. So he said, peace and the Holy Spirit. Give me another slide. John chapter 20, 19 to 20. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, suddenly walks through a locked door. Suddenly he appears. Boom. Ah! You might have a locked door in your life today. He's walking right through it right now. You might have an area that you think is restricted to him. You might have an area where you think there's something, there's something, I, I'm blocked, I'm, I'm stuck here. What am I going to do? He's walking right through that locked door today. And you know what he's saying to you? Peace. 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 Peace be with you, he said. And he spoke to them. He showed us his wounds, his hands, his side, and they were filled with joy And they saw because they saw the Lord. And he said to them, peace be with you. And then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Two things he said would be signs to them that it's finished. There's a place in the Father. I've made room for you, and I'm going to come and make my fixed abode in you. Done. Peace. Receive the Holy Spirit. Boom. That's what happened on the first Easter. So good. 
So good. So you got peace and you've got an established place in the Father. All right, let's go. We're going to head back, boom, right to our readings. You ready? Going to go back where we are. We're in 1 Samuel. Going to look at 1 Samuel and going to look at the Chronicles. Going to look at a bunch of things here. So uh, it says in 1 Samuel 7 1. For some reason, in the back of my head, I feel like that's 2 Samuel. But no, no, it's 1 Samuel. It is. 1 Samuel 7 1. Then the men of Kirath Jiriam, they came and took the ark of the Lord and they brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill and they consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord forever. Boom. This was a period of time when God's presence wasn't pursued. This is a period of time, remember, when uh, uh, Eli and his two sons, remember, uh, Serpent Mouth and uh, Fist Fight. <laughs> That's a great name of kids, right? Hey, meet my sons, Serpent Mouth and Fist Fight. This should be good. <laughs> Anyways, these guys didn't honor the Lord. It was nasty. And they decided one time they're going to go into battle. And they thought, let's take the Ark of the Lord out of the tabernacle. And let's take it out here in the open. And let's march with the Ark of God into battle. And I mean, we got to win. Because what? I mean, what? This is the presence of God. What? You know, God's going to let us lose when we got his presence with us. I mean, come on. Let's take the presence of God out of the... Here's two wicked people who didn't know how to honor the presence of God, who thought, just because I got the Ark with me, I'm going to walk out and I'm going to defeat all my enemies. And sure enough, God said, you know what? I'd rather live with the Philistines than with you guys. And he let them be conquered, and he went to the Philistines' house for a while. And the Philistines were like, whoa! They knew this was the symbol of God. This was the symbol of Israel's God. They said, wow, we're going to put their God in front of our God, and we're going to celebrate that our God's bigger than your God. Our God's bigger than your God. And their God's name was Dagon. So they set him up in front of Dagon. They came the next day ready to throw the party, and they came, oh, excuse me, I went to open up and turn the lights on and turn on the heat, and uh, Dagon fell over. We're going to have to postpone the meeting. Don't tell anybody. Oh, we canceled the meeting till tomorrow, everybody. You know, come back tomorrow. We're going to. They sat him back up and said, okay, we're ready tomorrow. Sure enough, the next day, the guy comes back, turns on the lights, turns on the heat, everything ready to go. And now Dagon is down. His hands are off. His head's off. And boom, everything is done. See, God said, you know what? I can defeat the other gods without your help. I don't need you. I mean, this is easy. I am God. I am God of gods. There's no other gods before me. So he's a great big God. Anyways. He afflicts them with the plague of hemorrhoids. <laughs> Are you allowed to say hemorrhoids in church? <laughs> what I want to know is they fashioned some hemorrhoids out of gold and put the, I don't know how they did that, but anyway, stay with me. I know I might have lost some of you there. You know, stay with me. So they sent, they said, they said they got two, uh, two cows that couldn't plow, couldn't pull, put them in the ark. And sure enough, those cows, they, they took the ark of God back to Israel. So the Philistines knew that we want to get this God out of here. Their God's bigger than our God. Let's just get him out of here. So they sent him home. When they sent him home, sent him to a place where a bunch of sun worshipers, a bunch of evil people, they looked in the ark. There was a plague, and some say it was 70 died. Some say it was 50,000 and 70 died. Anyways, it wasn't pleasant. Anyways, a time when God's presence wasn't honored. It's a time when, when they just didn't pursue his presence, didn't honor his presence. And at this time, they took the ark. This is where they took the ark and said, Let's just shove it over here with this guy. He's in the priestly line. Let's just, let's just put the presence of God over there. The tabernacle was set up. The tabernacle existed. There was sacrifice and everything at the tabernacle, but they didn't have the presence of God even at the tabernacle. They put the ark of God's presence in some other guy's house, and it doesn't even say that they did anything. They just left it there. So we had like 92 years where God's presence was not cherished. His glory wasn't coveted and cared for or pursued. Everybody say, ah. Oh. Okay, 
let's move on because that's a sad story right there. So let's move on. Here we go. First Chronicles chapter 13, verse three. It says, let us, David says, let us. David now, he, he becomes king. There was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David it went on for a long time. The war between the people, even after Saul was dead, people still wanted to prop up the fleshly kingdom. And people do that today, the anointed spirit, the glory of God, God moving, God doing things, healing and breakthrough, deliverance and all these things, God showing up in a big way. And there's people with institutional religion that will war against that. It's just bizarre. David, the anointed king, there was a war between the house of Saul and the anointed king. It went on for a long time. And there's been a war against an anointed Church moving in power and authority and glory. There's been a war against that kind of a manifestation for generations, but it's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. Hallelujah. It's coming to an end. Let us, David said, come on, let us, and it's a great plan. Come on. Isn't it good? Who doesn't want the presence of God? I mean, that's a noble desire to have the presence of God. So he desired the presence of God. He desired what Jesus provided. John 17, 21, when Jesus prayed in his real high priestly prayer, he said, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. What's the message of Easter? God wants to be present in you, and he wants you to be present in him. Easter's all about the reconciliation of all things. It's not just the resurrected people. It's the restoration of every single principle that God has established. It's a resurrection of all of creation. But God wants to dwell with mankind. And Easter says, everything changes. God's changed his address, and you've changed yours. You now live in him, and he lives in you. And that's what Easter is. David understood that. David had a revelation of that. David was willing to take the ark, which should have been behind a curtain. And only once a year, one person got to go in. David had a revelation. God doesn't want a one-time visit a year. God doesn't want one person once a year dropping in and saying, hey... God wants all mankind to have access to his presence. The book of Acts David was lifted up in the spirit and he understood these things. So David, in a time where there was a system of sacrifice and a system of relating to God, David said, to hang with that, I believe God wants to be with us and I want to be with him. So David changed the whole system and David set up his own tabernacle. All right, give me another slide. So I got a tabernacle somewhere. Do you got a little picture of a tent somewhere? Is that later on? Just tell me if it's later on. It's okay. It is later on. All right, so David decides to go get the ark, all right? So everybody say, good idea. Good thing. Presence of God. So he goes to get the presence of God. Now, the presence of God, the ark was sent back from the Philistines on a wooden cart with boards and big wheels. Say boards. Say big wheels. That's kind of a description of the church today. Church today is full of boards and big wheels. All right, that's what it is. And people think that boards and big wheels will bring the glory of God. So did David. David thought, you know, let's do what the Philistines did. Let's get a cart with boards and big wheels. Let's put the presence of God on it, and let's bring the glory to town. So that's what he did. So suddenly they came to a place, Nacon at Chidon, and that is at the place of preparation, there was ruin. Right at that lump, right at that bump, right at that place, the road, right at this place, specifically, every word, I think, is so clear in the Word of God. It has deep meaning. David, the ark stumbled at the place of preparation. David had the right idea. 
But he didn't prepare himself for it. He didn't have the right revelation. How does this happen? And he thought, let's do a, a board and some big wheels, and let's bring the glory of God to town. But failure to prepare becomes ruin. Wow. Failure to prepare becomes ruin. So after that, then David was afraid of God that day, and he said, how can I bring the presence of God? How can I bring the ark of God to me? And everybody said, amen. So David thought, you bring the presence of God with those ox carts, with strength. Two guys riding a cart, you're ready, a guy named Uzzah and Ahio. Uzzah and Ahio. Now, Uzzah's name means strength and might, and Ahio means just like. So he thought, let's do it just like they did, and let's do it with our own strength. Anybody, anybody hearing what the Lord is saying today? Okay, boards and big wheels. See, you're not going to bring the glory of God with your strength, and you're not going to bring it with the pattern of this world. And David tried to take a pattern to this world. He tried to do it with his own strength, his own might. He didn't seek the Lord. He said, I'm just going to take on another pattern. I'm going to do what some other folks did, and I'm going to use strength to do it. It's not by strength. It's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So you got to understand what's going on. So David thought he'd bring the presence of the Lord that way. 2 Samuel 6, verse 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him in the city of David, but David carried it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Say Gittite. All right, so the ark got unstable. They hit a lump in the road, and Uzzah decided, I better stable the ark. It's going to fall. He thought God's created earth wasn't a good place for the ark to be. His hand was better than falling on the ground. Anyway, he died. Wow. So David said, this isn't good. The whole place was, whoa, we're bringing the presents in. Whoa, whoa. And then all of a sudden, uh, so David said, uh, he was, David literally said he was afraid. And he said, let's, uh, okay, uh, who, who lives over there? It's Obed, Obed, the Gittite. He's a Gentile guy. He's a Gentile farmer. Yeah? Good. Let's send the ark over there. Hope it goes well with him. <laughs> so they sent it over to the Gittite's house. They sent it to a Gentile's house. The presence of God in the home of a Gentile? This couldn't go well. So here it is. What did Obed-Edom do? Knock, knock, knock. Hey, how are you? We were just down here. Yeah, I saw a pretty big group of people. What were you up to? You know, we're bringing the presence of God, the ark of God into town. But anyway, we'd like to leave it at your place for a while. And my choices are none. He opened the door and he let him in. He opened the door and he let him in. Give me another verse. First Chronicles 13, 14. The ark remained at the house of Obed, Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord killed all of his children. Said, son, it's in the living room. Leave it alone. Put a big curtain over there. Don't go in there. No, that's not what happened. It says, and Obed-Edom and his house, it was there for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom, the Gentile, the Gittite. He was totally, absolutely blessed. They found out that he was growing about six-inch carrots. Now they're three-foot carrots. I mean, everything was blessed. I mean, everything he had. I mean, every, every single one of his cows, they didn't have like a single calf. They were having three or four, and they were all healthy. I mean, everything he had, he was just like blessed. So David's like, hey, you know, kind of feel bad about that poor uh, Gentile guy. You like, uh, should find out what's happening back there. No, haven't you heard, David? Like, it's, everybody's talking about it. 
Like, because everybody thought, I wonder how it's going to go for him. But haven't you heard? Everything he has is blessed. David's like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So David's like, what happened? What happened? So give me another verse. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord your God broke out against you because you did not consult him about the proper order. Say proper order. You did not consult him about the proper order. So David said to the priest, listen, guys, clearly the presence of God is a blessing. Now, something went wrong. So he took them. He said, go figure out how we blew it. And they did. They went and studied it out, and they figured out, you don't use boards and big wheels. The presence of God is carried on the shoulders of the priesthood. Is the priesthood here today? Would anybody please identify yourself as the priesthood? Exactly. It's not, it's not super-duper preachers and boards of wonderful people who support the super-duper preachers. It's every single individual fully activated and understanding who they are in Christ. It's the whole body of Christ fully activated and knowing who they are and doing the stuff every day. I mean, Rodrigo healed himself. You're not allowed to do that, are you? I mean, in a small group, I mean, a lady was told she had a lump. They tested it. All these things went from third stage of testing. They check it out. Now we've got to do this. They go... It's there, it's not there, it's there, it's not there, it's not there. And that, that, that happens where? In a small group. Because the glory is carried on the shoulders of the priesthood. And wherever you go, the kingdom of God is in full manifestation. The purpose of ministry is to equip saints for works of service. To get on with it. And we got to really get that done. We really do. If we're going to get the glory, if we're going to get the presence of God to each and every person and fill the earth, we got to get that revelation big time. Can I get an amen from the youth who just spent a few weeks in the glory of God? (laughs) It wasn't quite an amen, but we'll take it. (laughs) You got to carry it on the shoulder so they figured it out. So is the picture now? No pictures? What? How did I not have a picture? Did we go buy it already? Were you here for the rehearsal? Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I knew there was a picture somewhere. Am I too early for the picture? I should have wrote that in my notes about the picture. But I love David because David brought, brought the ark to his house. So David brings the ark to his house. He brings the presence to his house. So uh, access to the glory, listen, access to the glory is exclusively found through the blood of Jesus. Easter is exclusively found through Good Friday. You can't have Easter without Good Friday. You can't have Good Friday without Easter. It's exclusively connected, exclusively tied together. All right. So David's tent had no separations. Do you go back to that little tent for me? Look at that. Like you look at you look at the tabernacle, you look at the temple of Solomon, you look at all these incredible things. This literally is a depiction. This was David's tent. Doesn't look like much of a tent, does it? I mean, is that really honoring God? I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, a 10-year-old could have built that thing. That was David's tent. David just put a tent big enough to cover the ark, and there was two people at the door. That was two doorkeepers. That was it. And then everybody else got full access to the glory of God, and 24-7, the only sacrifices were praise Jesus. 24-7, while they were doing sacrifices and blood and everything at the other tabernacle, this one, this was a period where there were two tabernacles set up at one time, and David's had the presence of God. 
So good, so good. David had the presence of God. The tabernacle of Moses, it showed the perfection needed to become, to come before the presence of God. There had to be no sin and no illegitimacy. There had to be no sin, and it could only be the people who had been, you know, excruciatingly qualified. But you see, the tabernacle of David, it showed the mercy of God. It showed the mercy of God, faith in God's promise and his character. It was so completely out of the box. It was illegal. I mean, everybody in their covenant, everybody who stood before the ark should have died. They should have all died right there. I mean, this, you shouldn't be allowed to do this. But David believed in the heart of God. David believed in the loving nature of God. And he said, everybody should have access to his presence. And David set it up so that the only thing that we had to depend on was faith in I believe. I believe our God is merciful, and I believe our God is gracious. And so he set up this tabernacle. He makes a way so that everyone could have equal access to the presence of God. Isaiah 16, 5. In mercy, the throne will be established, and the one, capital O, one. In mercy, the throne will be established, and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of Solomon. In the tabernacle of Moses. No, in the tabernacle of David. A messianic prophecy saying, what is the tabernacle? What is the one that God really honors? What is the one that God wants rebuilt? The messianic promise is the one is going to judge. He's going to sit on a throne. Where is it? In the tabernacle of David. In a tabernacle that is mercy. In a tabernacle that is grace. In a tabernacle that you approach by faith in a revelation of the goodness of God. Happy Easter. Man, happy Easter. That's what it says in Isaiah. It says it. It says it. Let me, let me give you a couple more verses. Amos 9.11, in that day, speaking of this day, in that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen. I'll close up the breaches thereof. I'll raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. So Amos is saying what tabernacle in the last day is going to be restored? The tabernacle of David. A tabernacle where we believe and we approach because he is merciful. His throne is grace. We approach because we trust and we have faith in the goodness of God. That's the tabernacle of today. And then we know that because if you let the Bible interpret the Bible instead of somebody on the internet, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Acts says, after this I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David. That's the apostle standing up. And what was the problem? Gentiles are coming in. What was going on at Obed-Edom, the Gittite's house? A Gentile was enjoying the blessing of God. What a contradiction. But you see, for them it was a contradiction because Peter said, I was preaching and the Holy Ghost fell on them just like he did us. What are we going to do with the Gentiles? So sure enough, here's how they answered it. They took the prophetic word and they said, the word of God told us and we should have known this. This is a fulfillment of the word of God. After this, I'll return and build again. David's tabernacle was fallen. I'll build it up again. The ruins thereof. Again, listen, the presence of God comes because of the goodness of God. He makes his dwelling in people because he wants to. He fills people with himself because he's a good, merciful, and gracious God. And he does it because we respond to that with faith. That's what's built today. It's not a whole bunch of rules and a whole bunch of do this and do that. It's a whole bunch of God is good. I believe it. Please settle down. It's Easter. All right, listen, let's go. I'm going to talk about Obed-Edom just for a minute. You ready? So Obed-Edom, what did he do? Obed-Edom, here's all he did. Here's what he did. 
Ready? Hello? We're going to drop this off here for a while. Okay. He just opened the door. That's all he did. He just opened the door. And God took up a residence in his home. And he experienced all the blessing of God being with him. Hello? 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 How complicated is that? And yet churches have made it so complicated. How to, how to get it? How to get, you know, things out of God's reluctant grip? Open. Who is it? It's the blessing of the Lord. Oh, not again. <sighs> Who is it? It's the blessing of the Lord. Oh, I've been to a conference. Told me I got to jump through 35 hoops to the 42 ways. So uh, hold on. I'm only on, I'm only on lesson three. I mean, I love all that stuff. But you know, what it should tell us is quite simply this. What did Obed-Edom do? Open the door to a merciful and a gracious God who has qualified you for every single blessing. And that's, that's what Easter's about. Easter's about that God who gave his life for you. He did all of that. He cut a deal within himself that if you'll just believe, he's going to take up residence in you. He's going to fill you with his spirit and he's going to bless you every day of your life. So let's look what happened with Obed-Edom. You ready? Here's what happened. Suddenly, David says, hey, how are you? Thanks for holding the ark for a little while. If you don't mind, I'm taking him to my place. You're, you're taking the presence of God where? To my place. No problem. Honey, pack up the kids. Pack everything. We're leaving. What? What are you doing? The presence of God is moving on. We're leaving. I mean, you're going to change your location. I mean, as soon as he found out that, Jesus, that, that, that David was taking the glory to his place, Obed-Edom packed up everything. And here's what it says. It says in Chronicles 15, 21, that when they were marching towards Jerusalem, Obed-Edom was with them. He's named in the company of people that went. Galatians 5, 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If the Spirit moves, I move. Keep in step with the Spirit. That's what happens. That's what happens when you've been impacted by the presence of God. Now, wherever he moves, you move because you realize everything is by the Spirit. Everything. So I'm so connected with him. Let me give you another one. Second thing that happened. Look what it says. It says in 1 Chronicles 15, 24, 26, 28, it says, Obed, Edom, and Jehiah, they became doorkeepers for the ark. Are you kidding? Obed, Edom wasn't, didn't want to go where the ark was. He wanted to be in service of the ark. So you need doorkeepers for the ark? I'm in. I want to be one of those. Are you kidding? I know what hanging around the presence of God does for your life. So if you need doorkeepers, I don't mind. Whatever shift you got, I'm in. When you're really impacted by the presence of God, I'm in. I don't serve to get his presence. I serve because I got his presence. I mean, a sign of the presence of God impacting your life is you want to serve because you know there's nothing like serving his purpose in his kingdom. High five for your neighbor. Knuckles to the new people. I'm so confused when people give me knuckles, I'm not sure what to do with it. I don't even know what to do anymore, you know? You want to fight? I don't know what's going on. Okay, so look, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. How many done some eating and drinking? How many done some Whatever. You know what? When you're a believer impacted by the presence of God, whatever you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. Think about it. When you're sitting there missing small group. Ooh, ooh, man, what a meddler. I'm telling you. 
There's no condemnation in Christ, but Pastor Carl, he's got a truckload, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. Be a servant. Number four, number three, sorry. You're given authority. When you've got the presence of God, you're given authority. Because it says, Obed-Edom was given the south gate. Say gate. You know what gates stand for? Nobody gets a gate unless you're entrusted with authority. Because if you've got a gate, you're responsible for what comes and goes at that gate. That means that they trust you, that you have authority to say yes or no. You have authority to stand at the gate and to allow and to disallow. And so, I mean, when you, when you acknowledge that God's presence is everything to you, there's authority given to you. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's risen! Just tell your neighbor, it's not bad preaching today. You know, you can smile. Hey, Dan Holmes had another baby girl. It was just this week, and he's here playing guitar and, and doing that, and now they have three children. So now the children outnumber the adults. Ooh, that should be fun. All right, so number four, number four, you're given provision. It says, he gave the Obed-Edom and to his sons the storehouse. Gave them authority over the storehouse. Philippians 4, 19, and my God shall supply all your need. According to, not out of, but according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. Is anybody confused at all? I don't know what's going on here, I tell you. It's the presence of the Lord. It makes truly rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Neither will toiling increase it. It's in the Bible. You know, God will meet all your needs according to. See, if I get a little bit, it doesn't mean there's less for you. Because God just let it be according to. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. God is constantly creating. There's more than enough always. Number five, and this is important. Number five, you're given his trust. You're given his trust. Because God has entrusted us with his purpose in the earth today. The whole purpose isn't just to get us out of the mess and get us to heaven. It's to get heaven into earth. God doesn't want to get a bunch of people out of here into heaven. He wants to get his glory. As surely as I live, says the Lord, my glory will fill all the earth. As surely as I live. And God's not going to let us slide out the back door from a messy thing. Quick, God's getting bad down here. He says, you know, it's not time yet. He wants his glory to fill the earth. And he wants to use us to manifest it. So after that, he took the gold, the silver, and all the articles found in the house of God with Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom had charge over all the precious things and all the things. God trusted Obed-Edom with all the precious things. And God has entrusted you with all the precious stuff. Hello? Hello. Oh, not a good idea. You know, you need to get somebody else. No, he trusts you. He totally trusts you. You know what it is? It's simply this. I believe God is gracious and I believe God is merciful. And I believe by faith he can use me. I believe it. And that's really it. You got to take one course in the goodness of God. That's why we sing it over. He is good. Good. Whoa. We sing it over and over again because you need to get that revelation because that's the revelation that equips you to release his goodness in the earth. Boom. Colossians 1.27. He's the riches of his glory. What is the riches of his glory? The riches of his glory. The richness of him. The richness of everything that makes him famous. The riches of the glory of God. It says, which is Christ in you. 
God has taken his whole reputation, everything that he is, all that he holds dear, everything that makes God God. He has decided that I want you become a carrier of. I want to have you in me and me in you so we can partner together to fill the earth with my goodness. That's what Easter's all about. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's lots of room. And before the end of the weekend, I'm going to make a place for you and him and a place for him and you. And that was finished the first Easter. And this is somebody who understood what it was to open the door and let the presence of God in. All he did was open the door. Can anybody open a door? Does anybody know how to do that? Give me another slide. Access to the glory is found exclusively through the blood of Jesus. Exclusively. David sacrificed. When they put the ark on the priesthood, they sacrificed blood sacrifices all the way to Jerusalem. And he knew that it's going to be through the blood of Jesus. Without blood, no one has access to the glory of God. But when you embrace the cross, when you embrace the finished work of the cross, when you embrace what he did on your behalf, that qualifies you. The Spirit answers to the blood and tells me, I am born of God. So his gracious act of redemption has granted you access to his presence. His glory is gushing forth from within you. So David sent the presence of God to the home of a Gentile farmer. And you know, that's a picture to us. It's a picture for us today that the presence of God wants to invade every single person's home. And that was a picture of a simple, humble guy trying to mind his own business, and God sought him out to bless his home. God has sought you out today, and he's knocking on your door. All he did was open his door. So the resurrection means that God is back, and he wants to dwell with you. So if you open the door of your heart, he'll dwell with you forever. You ready? One more slide. One more slide. For you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. For you are all sons and daughters of God. All of you are through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Thank you. Easter allows a change of address for God and for us. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Listen now. Just could you bow your heads, close your eyes for me. Just, you're believers. You're all believers. You're just praying. You're praying right now. All right? We're all praying. Listen. Listen, I want you to hear this. You ready? Ready? There's a knock on your heart today. You may have wandered in. You may have been like Obed-Edom, just minding your own business. And, but here you are. Might not have been what you expected, but God right now is knocking on the door of your heart. A wonderful, loving, merciful, gracious God. He wants to put you in him and he wants to put himself in you. He wants to unite you with your heavenly Father. He wants to cause your life to be blessed to overflowing. He wants to unburden himself of his great love for you. And he wants to manifest in and through you his grace and his goodness and favor. And all you have to do is say yes. It says to those who received him, he gave them the authority, he gave them the right and the privilege to be children of God. To those who received him, to those who... Open the door. Open the door. 
Now, if you're here today, I want to pray with you before you go. If you say, I don't know if I've ever done that. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I've ever said, Jesus, come in and be the Lord of my life. And here in this Easter 2019, I want to change my address. I want to fix myself in God. I want to be restored to my Heavenly Father. And I want Him to take up residence in my life. And if you've never done that, I want you to do it today. And what I'm going to ask you is I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to go one, two, three. And I do that just so you know it's time to put up your hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. And if that's you and you know right now, you can feel it. There's a tangible knocking on your heart. And it's God saying, I love you. I want to come in. I want to restore things. I want to change everything forever. And that's him touching your heart right now. And if that's you, I'm going to count to three. You just put your hand up. And we're all going to pray together. We're going to pray. You're going to pray. You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up very high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You can still do it right now. Just put your hand up really high. Thank you. Okay, you can put your hands down now. Thanks. Somebody might tap you on the shoulder after and just talk to you a little bit, but I want you to pray right now, all right? I want you to pray right now. You ready? Everybody's going to pray, so you pray. Hear your voice. Hear your voice, all right? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming after me, for loving me so much. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for bringing me back to my Father. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Holy Spirit, come on in. I open the door. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So good. That was so good. Can I get anybody on our ministry teams, altar teams, come on up here and we're going to pray for you today if you need prayer for anything. You know, Easter's a good time because you know what? It means resurrection. So if you get something that's broken, something in you that's broken, if you need your heart mended, you need something touched, you need healing in your body, you need a word from God, you need any special favor at all, these folks are so ready to pray for you and bless you. Otherwise, wow, what a wonderful Easter we've had. And I pray it would continue. I pray you would enjoy time with family and friends. But I pray that you would make the most of these opportunities. Make sure you share how good your God is with everyone. And do me a favor, would you? Invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to hear about the goodness of God who loves them. And we just thank you, Father. So I'm going to bless you. Can I do that? Father, we just thank you. Again, Lord, we are so grateful. Above all, our biggest desire today is to say thank you. Our biggest desire today is to give praise to a wonderful, glorious, good God. And so we praise you, honor you, and love you. And so, Father, I bless this house. Thank you for a beautiful, beautiful family that you've graced us with, that we together are, are experiencing this amazing journey with you. And, Lord, on this Easter, I bless this family, my family. I just thank you for them so much. I pray that you would favor them. I pray that this week would be a week of weeks. I pray that they would experience resurrection, life, body, soul, and spirit. I pray that things would change because revelation has become just a little more clear. That let the blessing of God invade every aspect of their lives, I pray. So, Father, I bless them now in the name of the Father, the wonderful Father who loves us so much, in the name of the Son who we are seated with and graced in every way, and in the Holy Ghost who puts us on like a garment, my partner 
who animates every aspect of my life. Just take us now, minister in and through us for your honor and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. He's risen. Amen. God bless you.